You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. NIST Cybersecurity Framework gets an upgrade. ONCD makes a case against memory-related software bugs. A recent cyber attack targets Canada's Royal Canadian Mounted Police. U.S. dethrones Russia as top target in cyber breaches. Dave Bittner sits down with Caveat Podcast co-host Ben Yellen to discuss remedies in generative AI copyright cases and a creative way to deal with your neighbor's music. Today is February 27th, 2024. I'm Trey Hester, filling in for Dave Bittner, and this is your CyberWire Intel Briefing. The National Institute for Standards and Technology released version 2.0 of its cybersecurity framework, marking a significant milestone in the ongoing battle against cyber threats. The framework is a collaborative effort involving government agencies, private sector organizations, and academia. The CSF 2.0 supports implementation of the National Cybersecurity Strategy with an expanded scope that goes beyond protecting critical infrastructure to all organizations in any sector. The release includes a focus on adaptation to evolving threats, integration and flexibility, risk management, collaboration, and embracing global cybersecurity trends. In a recent report, the Office of the National Cyber Director highlighted the alarming prevalence of memory-related software bugs, shedding light on a critical vulnerability in digital infrastructure. These bugs, often lurking unnoticed in software code, pose significant security risks, potentially enabling cyber attackers to exploit sensitive data or compromise system integrity. Prioritizing vulnerability awareness, implementing robust risk mitigation strategies, fostering collaboration, and maintaining continuous vigilance, the White House hopes a greater use of memory-safe programming languages will help to make products more secure from the outset. Cue the Dudley Do-Right theme song. A recent cyber attack targeted Canada's Royal Canadian Mounted Police. The RCMP did not share details on the nature and extent of the attack, saying that it was working with partner Canadian government agencies to, quote, continue assessing the breadth and scope of the security breach and hold those responsible to account, end quote. The RCMP notes that the attack did not impact operations or the safety and security of Canadians. Over the weekend, however, RCMP's website was briefly unavailable. 
the UK Ministry of Defense faced a significant fine of $443,000 due to an email error exposing Afghan interpreters' identities. The email could have enabled the identification of individuals contacting the British government and seeking to be relocated from the country as the Taliban regained control in 2021. This data was exposed when the Ministry of Defense sent bulk emails using the TO field rather than the BCC field, according to the ICO. Researchers report that at least 14 state-sponsored hacker groups from around the world have targeted Russia and some former Soviet Union members, such as Azerbaijan, Belarus, Kyrgyzstan, and Kazakhstan, with destructive or espionage campaigns over the last year. Some of the groups were likely linked to Ukraine, and others acted in the interest of their own countries, like North Korea and China, according to the Russian company Facts Report. A recent study investigating data breaches throughout 2023 reveals a total of 299.8 million accounts were compromised. While that does seem like a very large number, it in fact represents an 18% decrease from 2022. Despite this global reduction in breaches, the situation in the United States has increased, with the number of breaches tripling, giving it the title of the world's most frequently targeted country overtaking Russia. Bleeping computer reports steel giant ThyssenKrupp confirmed that hackers breached systems in its automotive division last week, forcing them to shut down IT systems as part of its response and containment effort. ThyssenKrupp AG is one of the world's largest steel producers and a crucial component in the global supply chain of products that use it in their industries. At this time of publication, no major ransomware groups or threat actors had assumed responsibility. In the follow-up to our coverage of the healthcare cyber attack last week, we have a few updates. More than 100 health-related services were impacted by the attack, and there's still no word as to when things will be back to normal. Hackers working for the Black Cat ransomware gang are behind the outage at United Health's technology unit that has snarled prescription deliveries. A number of pharmacy chains, including CVS Health and Walgreens, have said the outage had knock-on effects on their businesses, as pharmacies could not transmit insurance claims for patients. And another friend of the Cyberwire, Steve Winterfeld, member of our Hash Table and frequent contributor to our CSO Perspectives podcast with Rick Howard, recently wrote about getting ahead of cybersecurity materiality mayhem. In it, Steve addresses the growing concern of cybersecurity risks and their impact on financial materiality. The article emphasizes the need for organizations to proactively assess and manage cybersecurity risks to avoid potential financial and reputational damage. It underscores the importance of integrating cybersecurity into all risk management strategies and aligning with regulatory requirements. You can find a link to Steve's article in our show notes. Coming up after the break, we have Ben Yellen, our Caveat podcast co-host and program director at the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Ben discusses remedies in the generative AI copyright cases. Stick around. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. 
In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And joining me once again is Ben Yellen. He is from the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security and also my co-host on the Caveat Podcast. Ben, welcome back. Good to be with you, Dave. So interesting uh, discussion here from the folks over at Lawfare. And they're taking a look at some of the lawsuits against open AI and generative AI in general um, and looking at some of the remedies that are proposed or possible or, or being considered here. Can you unpack this for us? What's going on here? Sure. So we're still in the relative infancy of generative AI, and we've just started to see a variety of claims against uh, the big players here. So ChatGPT, Microsoft, etc. cetera. Uh, these claims are based on copyright violations. So it's the use of in-copyright works for training these generative AI models. And there's been a lot of commentary on this about whether this constitutes fair use, which means it would not be uh, subject to copyright violations, or if this is a per se copyright infringement. And I don't mm. think there's been any sort of developed legal consensus around this. What the Lawfare blog gets at is if companies can be held liable uh, for using copyrighted work in their generative AI inputs, what will settlement or uh, damages look like in those scenarios? So this article brought up three notable uh, potential remedy claims, statutory damages, uh, destruction of models trained on infringing works, and the establishment of regulatory oversight. And they gave a little bit more detail on each of those three claims. Hmm. Uh, so for statutory damages, there could be damages based on violation of copyright management information uh, rules and general copyright infringement. The damages uh, range from $2,500 to $25,000 per violation, which for these big guys, you know, it might start out as kind of a paltry sum of money, but that adds up when you're talking about everything that a generative AI uh, puts together. Right. Model uh, destructions. So uh, there are some complaints that are seeking court orders to destroy models trained on these infringing works altogether. There are practical concerns with that, whether you can destroy the model once it's been set up, uh, and just kind of disturbing legal implications about it, uh, especially when we're talking about open source training data. Hmm. Do we really want models destroyed if they're using open source information, for example? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are claims for regulatory relief. So uh, one lawsuit has asked for the establishment of an independent body 
to approve AI product uses, accountability protocols, and cybersecurity uh, safeguards, and to establish a monetary fund for compensating past misconduct. Uh, so these are three really interesting potential avenues for remedies for those who feel they have suffered copyright claims. It's good that Lawfare laid these out. The issue is time, really. Uh, resolution of all of these lawsuits is years away. Mm. Uh, these suits take time. There's going to be a lot that goes into discovery. But it will have, when these uh, lawsuits finally do resolve, it's going to have a major impact on the entire AI field. Um, and not just on AI, but this is going to be a revolutionary in intel- uh, revolutionary development in intellectual property law. Yeah. What do you say to, to folks who are... Or saying that this is the opportunity that we need to reconsider copyright law writ large. I think it's possible that this does serve as that opportunity. It's such a unique case, uh, especially when we're talking about the use of potentially open source data or where you're unable to determine whether the generative AI spit out something based on copyright infringed material or open source data. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think this is a ripe area to review copyright restrictions. Now, there are a lot of elements of copyright law that are so ingrained in our legal system. They've been principles at common law for hundreds of years that I don't think generative AI is necessarily going to reopen all of those doctrines. The length of copyrights, for example, is something I know we've talked about before, and Mm. it can be frustrating Mm -hmm. uh, for people in the industry who are subject to these copyright claims from 50, 60 years ago. Right. So I don't know if any of that is going to change, but I do think this poses an opportunity. It's kind of uh, putting everything under reconsideration once these cases make it into court. One of the things that I'm still trying to wrap my head around, and I've seen different opinions when it comes to this, is whether or not a copyright infringement happens at the point of ingest or at the point of synthesis. So is ingesting someone else's work a copyright violation itself, or do you have to wait until one of these models spits out something that is similar enough to the thing, the original piece of work, that that then is the infringing thing? Any insights? Under our established principles of copyright laws, you're only held liable once you publish that information. Mm. So it's kind of the difference between reading a book and retaining it for your own knowledge or trying to pass off that that book or that piece of intellectual property as your own Mm -hmm. by publishing something and trying to make money off of it. Mm. So I think that's a difficult question in the context of generative AI because in a certain sense, when it takes that input when it takes that potential piece of copyright infringed data, I think the people who own that intellectual property might be insecure thinking that the cat's already out of the bag. This is going to be part of some input that spits out information that violates my intellectual property rights. Mm. Uh, But I think at least under our traditional understanding of copyright law, it really will take until that information is published. And I think that's going to be part of the litigation here uh, when you're trying to establish damages is uh, was this information, copyright infringed information, widely disseminated? Um, how widely disseminated was it? Uh, I think those are all going to be important factors at play when we finally see some litigation here. I've seen some folks say that perhaps the 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 quickest thing that could happen here, the, the thing that could work for all parties is if we had some kind of um, centralized licensing organization is similar to how the music industry works. You know, they have like BMI and ASCAP and these 
these organizations that they're the ones you pay if you want to use music in your production, use copyrighted music in your production, you pay them, and then they distribute it to the original owners. Do you think that's a possibility here? Sure, it's a possibility. Uh, I'll just note, and I know I've said this before, like we're so early in the world of these claims. Yeah. Um, the first time the U.S. Copyright Office even took notice of this as an issue was, at least to my knowledge, was August 2023, where they issued a notice of inquiry asking for comments uh, on whether Congress should create a collective licensing regime for generative AI training and development. Mm. So in other words, it's certainly possible. We're just so early in the development of this field that it's hard to say for certain either way. Yeah, I guess I'm trying to understand like the slow movement of going through the legal system and for the sake of getting something that people could be happy with more quickly and the sake of there being a need to have some some reassurance here, some clarity here, might we see something like that just because everybody comes to the table and says, look, we got to figure this out? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what it would take is the industry, members of Congress, and some of the regulatory agencies saying we could all wait, you know, four or five years down the line for this litigation to ripen and we can get 40 separate decisions mm. on 40 different claims in all different jurisdictions and have to wait for appeals courts or the Supreme Court to weigh in or we can create something that's workable. I'm never an optimist on this stuff because <laughs> Congress has had trouble even forming an AI work group, which I believe they just did as of this week. Okay. Uh, so that's a start. Uh, but to come up with a whole licensing regime, um, it's an ambitious task, I'll be yeah. honest. Yeah. All right. Well, as always, thank you for your insights. Ben Yellen, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And finally, when Roni Bandini's neighbor started blasting reggaeton music every morning at 9 a.m., he took the non-confrontational route of addressing the issue with a raspberry pie and created Reggaeton Be Gone. The name was selected as an homage to the TV Be Gone device. It monitors room audio and identifies the reggaeton genre with machine learning. Once identified, it triggers comm requests and packets to the Bluetooth speaker to disable it, or at least disturb the sound so much that the neighbor will be forced to turn it off. Bandini does add this disclaimer, stating that Reggaeton Be Gone is an experimental project. Before deploying it, check your local laws and regulations and only use it with your own Bluetooth speakers for educational purposes. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. 
Your feedback helps us ensure we're delivering the information and insights that help keep you a step ahead in the rapidly changing world of cybersecurity. This episode was produced by Liz Stokes. Our mixer is me, with original music by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producers are Jennifer Ivan and Brandon Karp. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. And I'm Trey Hester, filling in for Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Tomorrow.